Hi, my name is Robert Buckley, and I attend The Rock at the Sandy location. One of the ways I simply sow the gospel is by leaving information around the globe in my travels. One of the things I like about The Rock is that we take notes every week, and so I love to hand out, and I do it every week, and even if I'm not here, my family makes sure that they uh, take the notes for me. Well, my job, for my job, I have to travel around the globe a fair amount, so I travel in the United States and pretty much all the continents other than Antarctica, and so I uh, am in airplanes and in hotels, so I take the notes and the handouts and then other Christian magazines I get from Ravi Zacharias, Books on the Family, and some other ones, and I leave them in the seat pocket on the airplane. So I open up the airline magazine and I stick a note in there uh, for all the different planes and seats I'm on. And then in the hotels, I find all the phone books and all of the uh, magazines and books about the city that I'm in. And I stick all the notes and articles that I have in those as well. So I'm hoping that someone comes up to me in heaven when we're all there and goes, Hey, you're that guy who left all those notes around the world. Thank you. And that's how I simply so. Good morning again. Uh, thanks for joining us here. I'm going to go ahead and pray. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, the pastor's conference we went to this past week. That the theme of the conference was this, uh, just so it. So we're going to have each of the guys that went to share some things they felt like God taught them there. And maybe pass on some practicals here. And, uh, and we'll be on our way. So um, let's just go ahead and pray one more time. Well, Heavenly Father, we do just thank you for this morning. We just thank you for this beautiful day and, and giving us life today. Uh, we just thank, you, thank you also for the opportunity to come together and uh, just worship you and experience uh, fellowship and friendship here. And, and God, I just pray, uh, even as we share some of the thoughts that you have been teaching us as pastors and leaders in the church, that it would be a blessing, it would be an encouragement to others or a challenge to others or, or whatever, whatever you want to accomplish here this morning. God, I just pray you would draw our attention to yourself here for a few minutes, and we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, well, I'm just going to set the table here for um, this sharing of thoughts. We This past week, we hopped in a, a minivan, and uh, I think it was five of us drove out to Kansas City there and uh, had the pastor's conference. Uh, you know, as pastors and leaders and stuff, we took... Um, uh, uh, let's see, three of us as pastors. We had two deacons with us as well, and we had a great time there. But um, it was a very encouraging and challenging conference. Um, we have some things we're already implementing and thinking about as a church, but I, I think it just brought uh, even greater focus to what we feel like God has on His agenda for us as a church and personally. So um, we're just going to have each one of the guys share. I might have to find a mic for them, but uh, I don't know. There's not a particular order we could do a alphabetical order or by height or by age or something here. I don't know. Um, but then I'll wrap things up after they share, and we will call it a morning. So um, let's see. Who would like to be the first uh, of the brave volunteers from the pastor's conference? Don't make me call names here, guys. Greg, 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 Greg. Excellent. There you go. Does this mic work up there, guys? You got it? Okay. Good morning again. I feel like I was just up here. <laughs> Welcome back. 
so the theme of the conference was just sow it. Not in an agricultural sense, but in a spiritual sense. Um, and I think I'm glad I'm going first because in case somebody else has this thought, too bad I got it. Um, uh, Mark Darling, who's a pastor in Minnesota, he shared... Um, he went straight to Mark chapter 16, verse 15, and I'll read it for you. It says, Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And that was it. Um, and he said, Why do we make sharing the gospel and sowing truth so complicated? That was really simple. Go into the world and preach the good news. Um, and so he said there's three lies that the devil kind of attacks us with um, and there are three things that kind of resonated with me because I think there are three things that I have believed in the past or that sometimes I, I'm even believing in any given moment uh, the first one he says that when we when we uh, want to sow seeds of the gospel we think we need to be so smart we think we need to have all of the answers um, and that's simply not the case. Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and get equipped with all of the knowledge there is to know about the good news. He just says, go and preach it. Uh, the second lie that the devil can attack us with, he can say, he can make you think, well, I have to convince and save whoever I'm talking to. Um, again, the verse doesn't say that. It doesn't say, it's up to you. It really says it's up to God. Um, and that's really, we need to be trusting God to have the fruit, that he's the one who's going to really reach people. It's just up to us to share, to sow those seeds of truth. Um, and then the third lie that the devil can tell us, he can say, ah, I have to wait for the perfect time. And that's really something I can fall into. Of, oh, I'm right in the middle of something, or I'm on my way to this thing, or I'm doing this other thing, and I, I get so concerned about looking for the time. And a lot of times I think that relates back to the other lies. Of, I have to be so smart because I've got to be able to sit in the big discussion and have hours so that I can help people really wrestle with. And I think I was just convicted that, hey, this doesn't have to be complicated. This can be as simple as... You know, I'm riding on the bus and I have a, a track that says what the gospel is and I'm just going to leave it on my seat as I get up and get off. Um, and we heard stories in this conference of people who come to know the Lord because they found a tract in the mud at the state fair. Um, and I think that's something for me, I want to say, I want to go after that and I really want to make sure I'm honoring any of you, any of us, who are sowing seeds simply, even like this guy on the screen who was saying, hey, I just left the notes in the airplane seed pocket. Um, I think that's something that's worthy of honor because that's obeying this command in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, to go into the world and preach the good news. That's the way to do it. So that's something that really stuck out to me from the conference. Uh, who's next? Rob, we'll get the deacons out of the way here. Thank you very much. Just kidding. Um, first of all, just I'm going to state the obvious here. If you notice the lights flickering on off, we are a very spiritually sensitive church, and it's just the Spirit of God moving throughout. So, just so you know. Uh, actually, um, I was really struck by a story that um, Brent Knox shared. Um, he uh, um, related a story. Uh, there's a, I guess it was in the New York Best Times seller. Um, it was a, story, a book called uh, Unbroken. A story about a guy named um, something. 
Zamperini, Louis Zamperini, that's his name, um, who during World War II was a pilot, got shot down, spent like 43 days out in the ocean, most anybody's ever spent on the ocean, and then he was rescued by the Japanese, and so uh, he was put in a concentration camp, suffered horribly under the Japanese's um, hand there, especially one guy, just really, they did awful things to him, and, and um, finally was rescued, the war ended, came back to the U.S., and um, just lived a really horrible life, really, because of what happened to him in Japan. He could not spend a day without thinking about murdering the guy that had so much, inflicted so much pain on him. He, he did, it, it consumed his thoughts day and night. And actually, he started drinking just to go to sleep at night because he couldn't, um, it was such, I mean, it was PTSD to the extreme, I think, for him. And so he drank and he got married, but um, that wasn't going so well. One night he was dreaming he had his, his hands around this guy's neck and was choking and he liked it so much. Then he woke up and realized his hands were around his wife's neck. And needless to say, his wife left him at that point. And, um, but he was living in L.A. His wife didn't divorce him. She just moved out of the house for her own safety. But um, um, Billy Graham was starting his crusades back then. And um, he, his wife went to the crusade because the people she was staying with uh, were Christians and they brought her there and she got saved. And then um, she, like three nights, she begged her husband to go. And finally he went and he went a couple of nights and he got saved. And um, the, the dream stopped. He never drank another drop of alcohol. And uh, just, it was such a transformed life. It was just amazing. And uh, I know that doesn't happen for everybody and there's different things, but to me it was just a picture of how powerful the gospel is. And um, a little bit later someone shared that verse, uh, Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for this power of salvation first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. You know, I, we memorize that in Memory Madness, and I've had a problem with that verse on and off throughout my Christian life because... A lot of times I am machine of the gospel. And um, but just seeing that guy's life transform and I don't know why it takes someone else's life sometimes because I see my own I should be able to look at my own life and see what the gospel's done for me or other people I know. But it was just kinda like a spiritual two by four up the head. It's like, oh, there is power in the gospel. It's amazing. And so that, that just that really struck me. It's like, wow, I really, you know, I, I guess you know, I'm not achieving the gospel anymore because there is power in it. It can save people. It can change their lives forever. And so I'm just privileged to be a part of spreading that throughout the world. Thank you. All right, I'm Jeff. For those of you who don't know me, one of the pastors here, I had I came away with two thoughts. Um, first of all, number one, and I, I know we shared it there at the beginning, that video, just simply so. I think sometimes we can make sharing the gospel, getting the word out there, very difficult. And it's really pretty simple. <laughs> there are simpler steps we can take. I think all of us sometimes, somewhere in our mind, it's programmed that we have to, to share the gospel. We have to sit down and have an hour-long conversation with this person. Like That's what we have to do. That's what we're looking for. And we, we so zoom in that that's what we're looking for, that we kind of forget that there's other ways we can share the gospel, that we can get the word out to people. Um, 
we can hand out tracts just like that guy. He was he was sticking notes from Bill Young's teachings in magazines on an airplane, uh, sticking um, tracts in like the catalogs, the magazines that are on the counters at the air, at the hotels he was staying in, like staying you know in his room there. Just simple things we can do. All of us could walk down the road and hand ten tracts to everybody tomorrow. We really could. It would be really simple. Yes, all ten of those people may not get a clear gospel presentation, but they're going to get something. They're going to get a seed that may start it. They may hang on to that. They may throw it away. But maybe some of those will read it. If we could do that, that's kind of our goal this summer. Get down the neighborhood. Maybe we can affect this neighborhood. We're really trying to touch every door. Some of those people are going to get saved. Hopefully. That's our that's our that's what we're praying. We're asking God to answer there. Some may not, but we need to get those seeds out there. We need to sow those seeds. And and sometimes we can even think down that road, okay, well what if I did that for my whole life? What if I just handed out tracks and I, I God never gave me an opportunity to share with somebody or or I got to share with one person and only one person got saved in my whole life. Um, that can be kind of, oh, what am I doing this for? It can be challenging. Um, the last night we were there, John Hopler shared a story about David and Savea Flood. And I, I got it written out here, and I thought I'd just share it with you because it really touched my heart. It was really something that really spoke to me. Like, oh, man, one little thing. I could do one thing. I could take one little step of faith here, and amazing things can happen. So I'm just going to read it to you. Hopefully I can read it here quickly so I don't take all of Rich's time, too. So <laughs> here it is. It says, it says, back in 1921, a missionary couple named David and Savea Flood went with their two-year-old son, what was then called the Belgian Congo. They met up with another young Scandinavian couple. In those days of much tenderness and devotion and sacrifice, they felt led of the Lord to set out from the main mission station and take the gospel to a remote area. This was a huge step of faith. At the village of Ndara, there they were rebuffed by the chief, who would not let them enter his town for fear of alienating the local gods. The two couples opted to go half a mile up the slope and build their own mud huts. They prayed for a spiritual breakthrough, but there was none. The only contact with the, with the villagers was a young boy who was allowed to sell them chickens and eggs twice a week. Savea Flood, a tiny woman, only four feet eight inches tall, decided that if this was the only African she could talk to, she would try to lead the boy to the Lord. In fact, she succeeded, but there were no other encouragements. Meanwhile, malaria continued to strike one member of the little band after another. In time, the Ericsons decided they had had enough suffering and returned to the central mission station. David and Savea Flood remained near Ndara to go on alone. Then of all things, Savea found herself pregnant in the middle of the premise wilderness. When the time came for her to give birth, the village chief softened enough to allow a midwife to help her. A little girl was born, whom they named Anna. The delivery, however, was exhausting, and Svea Flood was already weak from bouts of malaria. The birth process was a heavy blow to her stamina. She only lasted another 17 days before she died. Inside, David Flood, something snapped at that moment. He dug a grave, buried his 27-year-old wife, and then took his children back to the mountain to the mission station. Giving his newborn daughter to the Ericsons, he snarled, I'm going back to Sweden. I've lost my wife, and I obviously can't take care of this baby. God has ruined my life. With that, he headed for the port, rejecting not only his own calling, but God himself. Within eight months, both the Ericsons were stricken with a mysterious malady and died within days of each other. The baby was then turned over to some American missionaries who adjusted her Swedish name to Aggie and eventually brought her back to the United States at the age of three. This family loved the little girl and were afraid that if they tried to return to Africa, some legal obstacle might separate her from them. So they decided to stay in their home country and switch from missionary work to pastoral ministry. And that is how Aggie grew up in South Dakota. As a young woman, she attended North Central Bible College in Minneapolis. There she met and married a young man named Dewey Hurst. Years passed. 
past, the Hursts enjoyed a fruitful ministry. Aggie gave birth first to a daughter, then a son. In time, her husband became president of a Christian college in the Seattle area, and Aggie was intrigued to find so much Scandinavian heritage there. One day, a Swedish religious magazine appeared in her mailbox. She had no idea who had sent it, and of course, she couldn't read the words. But as she turned the pages, all of a sudden, a photo stopped her cold. There, in a primitive setting, was a grave with a white cross, and on the cross were the words, Surveya Flood. Aggie jumped in her car and went straight for the college faculty member who she knew could translate the article. What does this say, she demanded. The instructor summarized the story. It was about missionaries who had come to Ndalara long ago. The birth of a white baby, the death of a young mother, the one little African boy who had been led to Christ, and how after the whites had all left, the boy had grown up and finally persuaded the chief to let him build a school in the village. The article said that gradually he won all the students to Christ. Even the chief had become a Christian. Today there were six hundred Christian believers in that one village, all because of the sacrifice of David and Surveyor Flood. For the Hearst 25th wedding anniversary, the college presented them with the gift of a vacation to Sweden. There, Aggie sought to find her real father. An old man now, David Flood, had remarried, fathered four more children, and generally dissipated his life with alcohol. He had recently suffered a stroke. Still bitter, he had one rule in his family. Never mention the name of God, because God took everything from me. After an emotional reunion with her half-brothers and half-sister, Aggie brought up the subject of seeing her father. The others hesitated. You can talk to him, they replied, even though he's very ill now. But you need to know that whenever he hears the name of God, he flies into a rage. Aggie was not deterred. She walked into the dirty apartment with liquor bottles everywhere and approached the 77-year-old man lying on a rumpled bed. Papa, she said tentatively. He turned and began to cry. Aina, he said, I never meant to give you away. It's all right, Papa, she replied, taking him gently in her arms. God took care of me. The man instantly stiffened. The tears stopped. God forgot all of us. Our lives had been like this because of him. He turned his face back to the wall. Aggie stroked his face and then continued undaunted. Papa, I've got a little story to tell tell you, and it is a true one. You did not go to Africa in vain. Mama did not die in vain. The little boy you went to the Lord grew up to win that whole village to Jesus Christ. The one seed you planted just kept growing and growing. Today there are 600 African people serving the Lord because you are faithful to the call of God in your life. Papa Jesus loves you. He has never hated you. The old man turned back to look into his daughter's eyes. His body relaxed. He began to talk, and by the end of the afternoon, he had come back to the God he had resented for so many decades. Over the next few days, father and daughter enjoyed warm moments together. Aggie and her husband soon had to return to America, and within a few weeks, David Flood had gone into eternity. A few years later, the Hearst were attending a high-level evangelism conference in London, England, when a report was given from the nation of Zaire, the former Belgian Congo. The superintendent of the National Church, representing some 110,000 baptized believers, spoke eloquently on the gospel spread in his nation. Aggie could not help going to ask him afterwards if he had heard of David and Sabea Flood. Yes, madam, the man replied in French, his words then, his words then being translated into English, it was Sabea Flood who led me to Jesus Christ. I was the boy who brought food to your parents before you were born. In fact, to this day, your mother's grace and her memory are honored by all of us. He embraced her in a long, sobbing hug. Then he continued, you must come to Africa to see, because your mother is the most famous person in our history. 
in time, that is exactly what Aggie Hurst and her husband did. They were welcomed by cheering throngs of villagers. She even met the man who had been hired by her father many years ago to carry her back down the mountain in a hammock cradle. The most dramatic moment, of course, was when the pastor escorted Aggie to see her mother's white cross for herself. She knelt in the soil to pray and give thanks. Later that day in the church, the pastor read from John 14:24. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. He then followed with Psalm 126.5, Those who sow in tears will reap the songs of joy. I think that's an amazing story. It just goes to show we don't know what effect we're going to have. Handing out one track tomorrow could change eternity for a whole nation. We never know. We don't know those things. And we have to trust God and just take those little steps. We have to step out. Rich is going to share an email we got from just this last Wednesday of how someone was really impacted by a family here in our church going out and knocking on doors and praying for them. But we just need to trust God. We need to sow. Do the little things. Do simple things. Put a, Grab a bunch. We have tons of tracks. We'll, we'll buy them more. We'll buy them by the thousands. Put them in your pocket. Take them. Hand them to people. You never know what they can do. It may get you into a conversation for the gospel. It may not, but it will impact eternity. So that's what I learned. I think that's, that was obviously, I hope that we all learned since it was called Just So It, but I'll let Brad come up here. Thank you. Excuse me. Yeah, we had a great time out there. I think I had a lot of the same thoughts as some of these guys that God really put on our heart. The importance of just sowing the gospel and trusting God with results. I think of uh, Greg shared that verse of Mark 16:15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We were talking about that in our prayer meeting even this morning. Just think about, boy, what a simple command. How simple and clear but then how hard it is to do it. And we're just praying about ways that God would take us um, to a place where we can just take a simple command and obey it and do it together. And, um, you know, one of the things I was just been praying about is just a way we can continue to do that as a church. You know, it's one thing to do it alone, and we each have that command, and there's another way that God gives us those commands that we carry out together as a body of believers in a way that we can be more effective together. And one verse I was thinking about was not shared at the conference, but just a prayer I had was in Hebrews 10, um, verse 23 and 24. It says, Let us hold fast to the confession of hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us continue how to, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I think a prayer we have together is just just bringing a culture where we really do encourage one another in the gospel, encourage one another in, in taking opportunities and applying faith. And like some of these guys talked about, simple steps of passing out little gospel tracts or inviting people to church or praying with people on their porch like we did Wednesday. So that's just something we're praying about, and you can pray with us, just continuing to get that evangelism ball rolling in our church. I really encourage seeing those Wednesdays start up and a Friday prayer meeting, you know, just really getting out and meeting our neighbors. And then I think even the Saturday night prayer meeting is good. Of I think of going to all the world. Part of that is going to all the world when they're out here, <laughs> going to all the world when they're coming into the world anyway. And that's one step. I think we may even get crazy and go into all the world carrying a cross around the neighborhood or just talking to people or sharing, but we want to be uh, just building that culture. And I think another thing we're doing with that is 
you know, like that story of Robert and that video he shared of sharing tracks, just continuing to to share those uh, videos as they get passed along. And we want to continue to just weave in stories of, of you guys over the summer here as well as we're continuing to share Wednesdays, just um, just weave in stories of the, sharing the gospel, weave in of what God's doing so we can be encouraged and have our faith spurred on. I know just personally praying about ways to uh, just do simple things like that video and, and be sharing the gospel more and think about ways we can do that as a church. So anyway, I think that's all I was going to share. So Rich, if you want to clean this thing up. All right. Um, yeah, they, they took all the good thoughts here. So, uh, but no, um, you know, I think there was a lot of good things at the conference. I think the teachings will be posted online as well, so I, you can look. They might even be up by now. It's GCC Web, Great Commission Churches, gccweb.org. And I think you can look under the pastor's conference there or whatever. But um, I think one of the teachings that stood out the most to me, I've got two verses I'll share and maybe just two practicals related to those, was the very, I think it was one of the very first ones uh, that was shared um, one of the mornings that Brent Knox out of Evergreen uh, in uh, Minneapolis there. He, he just shared some things uh, related to um, something, you know, all these thoughts have already been mentioned, but he was talking about how the gospel, this message about the love and the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ, it changes lives, you know. And Rob alluded to that story of the, the POW. Um, it's in the, the book... Um, one of them is called Unbroken. I said there's another book about the guy's life as well that's uh, more detailed, maybe called the, the Devil at My Heels. It just talks about his survival and his journey of bitterness and forgiveness and, and all those different things there. But um, but his point that the Brent shared that story was just that the gospel changes lives, you know. And as he was talking about this guy, this um, POW, and how his life changed, I started reflecting back on how my life has been changed. You know, sometimes uh, I've been a Christian now 17 years, just trying to, to follow Christ and uh, live the way He wants me to. But sometimes it's really easy to forget what I was like before that journey began 17 years ago and how I was a person who was just living for myself. I, I made up my own rules and, and I judged people as I saw fit and I, I was just selfish and um, self-righteous and all these different things. And, I, and I, it was good for me to look back and go, you know, the gospel, it changes lives. And, and Brent shared the concept, of, you know, the theological term of when you respond to the gospel, one of the things that happens is called regeneration. That idea where Jesus said to be born again, you, you get regenerated into a new person. He shared this verse here that was just uh, good to be reminded of and refreshing. It's from Titus 3.5. And it just says this... Um, even 3-4 but it says uh, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared he saved us not because of righteous things we had done but because of his mercy he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Christ, through Jesus Christ our Savior and then just talk about how when you, you hear the message about what Christ has done for you on the cross and when you respond to it you know, the Bible is very clear that you get made into a new creation. Uh, when you respond, you get regenerated, born again, not physically, but spiritually. You become a, a new you. And um, 
and really sharing the gospel. The whole goal of sowing, you know, is is you share this message, and when someone responds to it, there's a they they're spared, they're they're saved from the penalty they earn for their sins. They become a new creation. They get a new life, a full life, a new destiny. All of that just in response to the gospel. And and our hope as a church is to share the gospel and see people's lives change that way. But Brent also shared kind of on the other side of the spectrum is we just got to we've got to take steps to get there. It's not like the first time you share with someone. You just see them like you know transform and scales fall off of them right there on the spot, and they just become this new person. It's a it's really a journey, and and your first time probably sharing your faith might not have that response that someone just falls down weeping, you know, and says, uh, "Where do I get baptized?" You know, um, but but maybe that's been your story. I don't know. Um, but anyways, uh, they just really one of the things you said their church has done is just uh, practically they want to encourage sowing um, of the gospel sowing seeds you know and sowing again in general means steps of, of stepping out in faith to have a conversation maybe it's to leave a booklet maybe it's to share your story of, of coming to faith in Christ whatever it is but it's just uh, they talked about just celebrating steps one of the practicals that they've done is taken a jar I think they placed it at the front of their church and anytime anyone in the church does anything that's a, a step like sowing they place a seed in this jar and they just said that the jar has been continuing to fill up with seeds of people sowing some step of faith, some step of obedience. And, and so he encouraged, he said, you know, you might think about just practically encouraging, celebrating those little steps. Uh, the other thing that they did related to someone whose life, that someone becomes a Christian, their life gets changed, is that they have somewhere in their church, I'm not exactly sure, they have a big giant cross, probably like our big uh, wood cross we have in the garage there. But they've just started putting the names of people who've gotten saved and whose lives are beginning to change. And they just have this cross where they're starting to attach people's names to it. And we thought... You know, some way, as a church, we'd like to do maybe a little of both. One, figure out how to just uh, honor people taking little steps of faith to share the gospel. One tip that Brent threw out just for fun, he said, by the way, you know, he's like, we've had, you know, they have a very huge church out there, but he said, we've got thousands of people who've taken steps, and we picked a really small seed, and I would suggest getting bigger seeds if you want to see this, uh, you know. So we've talked about using avocado seeds or something like that, just to kind of make sure we're encouraged by the the progress we're making. If you know a larger seed than that, some people talk about coconuts or whatever, but uh, anyways, we want to track and celebrate these small steps. And and then also, you know, we might figure out a way to de- depict those who respond to the gospel and whose lives begin to change and those who start to follow Christ. And we don't know exactly what the method will be for that, but um, those are things that we, we want to figure out how to put those in place. I did want to just have, um, everyone's alluded to, we've started Wednesday nights here for the summertime. You know, we're doing these outreach uh, activities and we're coming together here and we're just knocking on doors uh, just to really the simple line um, I was so encouraged I talked to my daughter on the phone when I was at the conference I talked to Graham she's uh, nine years old and and I was asking her how things went that night and, and she said dad I just I just told them what you said I went out with Alan and Lydia and, and I just told the people we talked to what you told me to say and I was like what did I tell you to say you know and uh, I was kind of curious I had coached them a little bit she said you know I just said uh, my name is Graham I'm with the Firehouse Church and we're out talking to our neighbors tonight is there anything we can pray for you and I was like wow she she got a hold of that phrase that's, I just, that's the only thing I told her and uh, I encouraged her I was like you know there's some adults that don't know how to 
talk to the neighbors and just say that. And I was very impressed. I realized Morgan had done some practicing with them before they went out. So she, she had practiced that, but we could probably all learn from her example there. But uh, anyways, uh, people, a number of you got out and so in another church, shared how they're getting out in their neighborhood and sowing the gospel. There's a church in Des Moines that is in our association and uh, Dan Rude was there and he said, you know, we decided, he's like, I moved into this new neighborhood in Des Moines and in no time I had Jehovah Witnesses knocking on my door. I had Mormons knocking on my door and he said, why can't we get out with, these people have messages and truth that has been twisted and they have the wrong message and why can't we get out and give them the truth to maybe substitute some of the lies that are going out. And so in Des Moines, their church there, again, they have multiple locations and things like that, but he said they just started tracking the, they're going out to homes a number of times they've been able to share the gospel, not just leave track, they've gotten to share the gospel. A number of people have given their lives to Christ through that, but the thing I was encouraged by, by the simply knocking on doors, he so they've knocked on over 20,000 doors in, in Des Moines. 20,000 doors from the church there. And because of that, the gospel has been sown a lot and people have gotten saved. But there's been a lot of small steps of faith just getting out and knocking on a door. And we want to honor that. You know, we realize on one hand we all want to be sharing the gospel in a powerful way that just has these awesome results. But we don't get here unless we take the first steps here. And, and I thought I'd just have one person share here from Wednesday night. Someone that we just want to honor a step of getting out in faith and in this case with their family there was David floating around here somewhere I thought we'd have David just share his experience once tonight real quick here you guys welcome David up here alright I had prepared a 40 minute speech but for the sake of time I'll cut it short um I'll be real honest and frank about it. Uh, Rich has been talking about getting out and just stepping onto porches and, and knocking on doors. And um, I have not wanted to do that at all. Um, and so I've been feeling convicted that I should do that because I'd like to be active in sharing my faith or sowing those seeds in a, even in a small way. So Wednesday rolled around and I knew it was going on that night and we were in town for the first time in a while. So it's like... I just, I don't want to do this all day long. I don't want to do this. And it was like, the more, the more that I kept thinking I don't want to do this, the more I was like, I really need to do this. So we drove down here. We met. We got some quick instructions. Uh, we packed up our two uh, young sons in the, in the stroller, and we headed out. We got a map, and we got a, a sheet with a, with a the line to share, and just, just knocking on doors and... The plan was to go knock on doors and just ask people if there's anything we could pray for them. Real simple. We got out into our area, and I turned to my wife and I said, I, just, I don't want to do this. I do not want to do this. So we started, we were walking our streets, looking at all the doors, and we weren't knocking on any doors, and I just kept saying, I, I just don't want to do this. Maybe we could just go over to Little Man Ice Cream and have some ice cream and then come back when everyone gets back together. But anyway, my son, who uh, is four, um, he was really excited about it. And it, was actually, it actually was really encouraging. He, he looked at us as we were walking up and down the streets and he, he said in so many words, we're not going to be able to pray for anyone if we don't knock on someone's door. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a good point. It's a good point. It's pretty practical. So, um, I was just so intimidated by it, you know, and and 
I just talking to people one on one, you know, what I was joking with Greg, what if they're mean to me? I could be that be that would be bad. I wouldn't like anyone to be mean to me. So we knocked on a couple door we knocked on a few doors. The first person who answered their door was a, a elderly lady that made me think of my grandma. She was not intimidating. Um, she was really sweet and um and then we knocked on a few more doors and the next people who opened their doors went to church here. So it's just kinda but it was good. I mean it was just a practical step, you know, to walk knock on a few doors. We talked to a couple people. Um we I felt like it was a, a good start for us to knock some of the cobwebs off on, on just sowing some seeds and we tend to continue to do it. And I'm quite sure I'll be feeling the same way on Wednesday. I do not want to do this, but I'm going to try to keep doing it because I think it's a, it's a, I know it's a positive thing and, and it's not about me or my, anything that I have prepared or feel ill-equipped with. It's just about putting the information into someone's hands and, and letting God do, God do that part. We just want to be celebrating every step of faith and obedience, and, and hopefully that will gain us momentum in just reaching reaching more people. But that's a, I think a great story there, David. Appreciate your faith and uh, stepping out there. Um, let's see the we're gonna we gotta track this. We gotta put an avocado seed in uh, in the jar for that one there for sure. Um, but. Um, so anyways, I um, want to just wrap up. You know, I know there were some other experiences. Some of you have had experience knocking on doors. Some of you haven't. You know, it, it doesn't. You don't have to have a Ph.D. in evangelism to get out there and knock on a door and ask if you can pray. And some people are friendly and some people aren't. And, and I know I was talking to Alan. There was someone I, I think that might have told them, um, why, why are you doing this? Does this even make a difference? You know, and, and there can be some people that are a little more challenging like that. Um, but we did... Uh, Thursday, uh, after you guys went out in the neighborhood and, and talked to people, Thursday, the next day we got an email from a guy that I just thought uh, I'd share with you. Actually, it was late Wednesday night, and I just wanted to share this with you here. Um, he just says this, uh, Hello, my name is Thomas, and I just want to reach out and express a special thank you to one of your outreach families. Um, I'm sorry for not remembering their names, but they were a very welcome breath of fresh air to my day. I grew up in church and had a, a very strong Christian beliefs, but my life has unfortunately pulled me away from attending on a regular basis. It was nice to speak with someone of faith from the community. Today's actually been a really hard day, and after talking with them, I instantly felt at peace. The Lord is awesome. My mom always tells me that. Uh, I would love to come and attend one of your services. Sadly, right now I work at the time. Uh, at that time, but whenever I can, I'll do my best to stop by. I never write emails to sing someone's praises. Uh, that family really made my day, and I just wanted to say thanks. And it's just cheers, Thomas. But, uh, you know, just one little step of faith is, can bless another person's uh, life out there. And, and uh, we just want to just exercise in that and grow in that. And we've got a long ways to go, but we're going to start with small steps like Wednesday nights, um, Saturday night prayer meetings, things like that. We're excited to see what God is going to do in response to our, our few little steps of faith here and obedience and trying to get the good news out that changes lives. And... Um, 
So I'm just going to, I'm going to wrap up with that. I had another verse, but I do not tend to err in going short, but I will this morning. So um, anyways, we're just going to go ahead and, and pray here and uh, let you know we're going to be continuing to take steps to just sow it. And we're going to celebrate the little steps and we're going to celebrate the life change. You know, when people get baptized and the lives turn around and we want to do this together here. And we're excited to see um, how God's going to continue to lead us in this. But I'll go ahead and pray and we will continue with our day. Well, Lord Jesus, I do just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the things that you've been teaching each one of us. Um, I thank you for the things you taught us at this pastor's conference. And we, we just ask you would help us. Help us to take steps of faith and, and obedience and, and just plant seeds, whether it's a conversation, whether it's leaving a, a booklet, whether it's leaving our personal story um, that we're going to be writing here this summer, um, just sharing those with people. We just ask that you would be glorified. We ask that you would change lives just as you've changed our lives, Lord. Help us to get the, the gospel out that has the power to save, that has the power to wash and, and give renewal and rebirth and regeneration. And we just ask for opportunities. We ask you to bless our, our church here. Lead us into your will and things that would glorify you in this neighborhood. We just pray all this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you guys want to grab a booklet on the way out to take it to, to give to someone, there's some on the table here and in the cafe. And there's also, if you haven't gotten your Just Sew It uh, bracelets here, um, there's some of those out on the table as well. Feel free to take one, pass them on, whatever. But thanks for joining us this morning. We'll see you next uh, Sunday morning.